Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight. For you, Lord, are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> well, good morning and happy Pentecost to everybody. Um, we are going to be looking at our reading from Acts this morning, Acts chapter 2, beginning at the first verse. So if you have a Bible, um, by all means, open it up and, and pull it out and, and follow along. Um, I think we, I think I saw some Bibles in the back there we have, if you'd like to borrow one of those, if you have an app on your phone, any of that works. But Acts chapter 2, beginning at the first verse, we're going to be looking at this account of Pentecost. Um, and the way we're going to look at it is this. The reading is more or less can be divided up into two parts, okay? Um, and the first part is, is, is going to be a story. It's going to be what happened at Pentecost. It's going to tell um, the story of that day. And then the second part is going to be an explanation. What does it mean? So what happened, and then what does it mean? Because something very significant was obviously happening. Um, and so we're going to ask these two questions as we read through the text. What happened on that first day of Pentecost and what does it mean? Um, there should be some sermon outlines there in the back if you're interested in following along. Um, I'm realizing, do you mind getting me one, Carrie Hall? That would be helpful because then I can make sure I actually fill it out for you. Um, so on that first Pentecost, what happens and what does it mean? Well, what happens? Where, where are we? What's, where are we in the story? Well, in the previous chapter, okay, in, Acts gospel, I mean, in Luke's um, account of the Acts of the Apostles, in the previous chapter, Jesus has risen into heaven. Jesus rose into heaven. Thank you so much. Um, and he's promised when he rose into heaven, uh, much like he promised in John's gospel, he says, um, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Remember in John's Gospel, he says, even I'll send a, a helper, even the Spirit of Truth. It's the, the same thing. That there's someone, something is coming that will give power to the disciples. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And so after Jesus ascends into heaven, the disciples um, return into Jerusalem, praising God and worshiping Jesus and praising His name. About ten days later, these same disciples are gathered in the upper room, right? They're back in the upper room. The doors are locked. Um, they've heard this promise from Jesus. They've seen Him ascend into heaven, and yet there's still some question, okay? What's happening? Um, we clearly don't have this power. We don't have this Spirit upon us. And then, if you look at verse 2... Something does happen. Something very powerful, right? Chapter 2, verse 2. or We'll start verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So they're just sitting there, right? And this, this rushing wind fills the room. And tongues of fire, and I'm going to be honest with you, I don't even know how to picture that in my brain. What is a tongue of fire? It's resting on their foreheads. And they're speaking in, 
in tongues, in languages that they do not know. And so what has happened? What happens when the Holy Spirit comes, right? Well, the first thing we want to look at is what happens when we receive the Spirit? What happens when the disciple receives, the disciples received the Spirit? Well, well, the first thing we see is that the Holy Spirit comes as fire. He comes as fire. That's the first blank there on your outline. When, when we receive the Spirit, He comes on us as fire. Now, it, it might not be visible flaming tongues resting on our foreheads like the disciples had, like they saw, but He still comes with fire because fire does two things. Well, it can do a couple things, but two things in particular. Um, the first one is this. Fire cleanses and purifies. Okay? And so when the Spirit comes, the Spirit cleanses and purifies. And then when the Spirit comes, it also ignites and spreads. Okay, those two points there in your outline. The, the Spirit comes and He cleanses and purifies. That's the first thing. When the, when the Spirit comes on us, He cleanses us. He purifies us. He begins preparing us for the day where we will meet Jesus. He starts doing that work in us. We're not perfect and it doesn't happen instantaneously, but the Spirit comes in us and He starts to work. Works like fire burning in us and cleansing us, refining us even. And then, fire, when it's lit, when fire gets lit, it ignites and spreads, right? It spreads out. It, it cannot be stopped when the, when the kindling is ready. The fire spreads. And that's what the Holy Spirit does in His church. When He falls on His church, He, he ignites us on fire and we spread out into the far corners of the earth. So the Spirit cleanses and purifies and it ignites and spreads. One, um, one way you can think about this uh, illustration is, is picture what happens when you throw a damp stick on a fire, right? If you put a damp log or a damp stick on a fire, it, <clears throat> right, it crackles and pops. Something's happening there. but it, Like an acorn? Maybe. Does an acorn do this too? It might. It, it starts to crackle and pop, um, but it doesn't catch on fire right away. But something's happening to it, right? It's getting dried out. And eventually, when it's ready, it catches on fire and then it ignites and it spreads. And so the Holy Spirit, in many times, in many ways, works like that. Um, so what happens? The Holy Spirit um, comes as fire. And then the second thing that happens is the Holy Spirit is made manifest in us. He's visible in us. The Holy Spirit there is made manifest in us. So um, with the disciples, what happened? So the Holy Spirit came on them. There's a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And then what? They began speaking in tongues, right? They're speaking in languages that they did not know, in languages that they did not um, know how to speak. And yet there they were speaking in them. They're speaking in other languages. Now, this is a supernatural manifestation of the Holy Spirit. This is a miraculous manifestation of the Holy Spirit working in somebody's life and doing something supernatural. And I believe these things still happen. People are still given um, supernatural manifestations of the Holy Spirit, whether um, it's speaking in tongues, is like a prayer language, whether it is, um, it is um, works of healing, right? Um, the Holy Spirit is still working today. But I would say that's not the normal way He operates. That's not the way the Spirit operates most of the time. And so if you're saying like, well, I can't speak in tongues, 
right? Or, or that I know of. My prayers have never healed anybody. Um, I would say to you, that doesn't mean the Spirit is not working in your life. <clears throat> if you are a believing, baptized Christian, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And He dwells within you. Um, and so the Holy Spirit works supernaturally, but He doesn't do that all the time. Um, and so if you don't see the Holy Spirit working in your life that way, it's not an excuse to ignore the reality of the Spirit. Because He is there, and He is present. And He's present in the day-to-day -day realities of life. And that's really important to remember. He's present when you wake up in the morning. He's present when you make up the bed. He's present when you do the dishes. He's present when you get the kids ready for school. He's present um, when you're teaching the kids school or when you're cleaning the house. The Holy Spirit is present in all these normal mundane things. But He's also present when you're talking with your neighbor who doesn't know Jesus. He's present when you're serving others sacrificially. He's present when you're bearing witness to the crucified love of Jesus. He's present in these normal day-in and day-out activities. And we can't forget that. When we know Jesus, when the Holy Spirit is in us, He will overflow. He will ignite and spread. And He works in the mundane realities of life. He works supernaturally. It can happen. And if you want that to happen in your life, you can pray for it, and I can help you with that. But He works in the regular too. In the day in and day out lives that we live, the Holy Spirit is there and He'll make Himself known in our lives. So when we receive the Holy Spirit, two things we can gather from this passage is, is He comes on us like fire, right? And He makes Himself um, manifest in our lives. Uh, others can see the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a Christian. So the next question would be, um, when you read this story, what happens to others? When others see the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, what happens? How do they respond? Well, look at verses 5 to 13. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together. So they, they hear the Holy Spirit coming on the disciples, the mighty rushing wind, right? And they, they hear them speaking in tongues. And so the, the crowds gather around. The multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. Pentecost was a great um, day of celebration for the Jewish people. There were many pilgrims in Jerusalem from all over the Mediterranean world. And they all spoke different languages. And they heard the disciples speaking in their own language. And they were amazed and astonished, verse 7, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own language? Parthians and Medes, Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phygera and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. So the Holy Spirit falls on these disciples and they speak in foreign languages telling of the mighty works of God. Verse 12. And this is how people responded. 
either, verse 12, all were amazed and perplexed, saying to others, what does this mean? But others, mocking, said, they are filled with new wine. They're filled with new wine. They're mocking them. So, what happens when others see the power of the Holy Spirit in us? Okay? What happens? Well, some of them, some of them will want to know more. They will be curious. They'll want to know what does it mean? What does this all mean? And others will mock us. They'll mock us. That's a hard thing to hear. But others will see the Holy Spirit working in your life and they will mock you. Right? The, these others, they saw the disciples and they're like, oh, they're filled with new wine. They're drunk. They've had too much to drink. And they mocked them. That is what, what happens when people see the Holy Spirit working in our lives. These are really the only two logical responses. You, uh, no one's going to see something like this happening and say, oh, that's just normal. Right? That just makes sense. No, it's, it's going to be, what does this mean? Or, I'm mocking you. Those are, that's what happens when people see the Holy Spirit working in us. Um, and so when we go out into the world, when we are acting in the Spirit, whether it's supernaturally or whether it's in the day-in, the day-out realities of life, um, when others see that in us, God willing, and if, if the work has been done, if they've seen it in a number of people, and if you have these relationships and um, you, they know that you love them and you are for them, as they see that working in your life, they're going to ask, what does this all mean? What is this all about? Um, and that's what we can expect, and that's what we can hope from our relationships as we try to build bridges and try to reach others with the gospel. Um, but some other people will be in a place of rejection. They won't have it. They won't want anything to do with it. They won't be um, curious about the way we Christians act and behave and treat each other. They won't be curious about that. They won't be curious about this forgiveness that we have in Jesus. They're going to want nothing to do with it and they'll reject it. And so when others see the Holy Spirit working in us, some will ask, what does it mean? But others will mock us and reject it. Um, but for those who ask, what does it mean? Well, Peter is here. He's here for that. He's ready to interpret it. He's ready to, to share what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, and so we'll turn then to sort of the second half. We, we've got the story, what happened, but, but what does it mean? What does Pentecost mean? Well, um, Peter gives this great speech, right? In verse 14, Peter standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. Listen up, people. These people are not drunk. They have not had wine. In fact, what does he say? It's only the third hour of the day. It's like nine o'clock in the morning, right? We're not drunk. It's the Holy Spirit. And then he reads from the prophet Joel. So, Joel, are you all familiar with Joel? The Old Testament prophet. Very short book in the Old Testament. And um, this book, the prophet Joel, is calling God's people, he's calling the nation of Israel to repentance. 
He's calling the nation of Israel to turn back to God. And he says, on the great and awesome day of the Lord, when the Lord returns, he's going to judge unfaithful Israel. He's going to judge those who have not turned back. He's going to judge the nations that have rejected the Lord. And he's going to establish his heavenly kingdom once and for all. But Joel wants to say, before that judgment, okay, from this time, before that final judgment comes, there will be a time of mercy. There will be a time to get right with God, to be made right with God. Joel is promising this. There will be a time when God's Spirit is poured out and His people are brought back to Him and united to Him. And it's from that section of Joel's prophecy that Peter finds the meaning of Pentecost. When he sees what's happening, when he sees the Holy Spirit poured out on the disciples, when the Holy Spirit works in him and illuminates his mind, he realizes that he is witnessing this prophecy from Joel being fulfilled. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, verse 17, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. What does Pentecost mean? Well, the first thing about Pentecost that we realize, that the, the importance of it, is that the Spirit does not discriminate. The Spirit does not discriminate. Do you see that there? Sons, daughters, young men, old men, young women, old women, even slaves, all of them receive the Spirit of God. Now, in the Old Testament, when you read the Old Testament, you see the Holy Spirit show up from time to time, okay? And when, when the Holy Spirit shows up in the Old Testament, He's um, showing up for certain people at certain times for specific purposes. It's a very particular and intentional Spirit of God showing up at certain people at certain times for certain purposes. And what Joel is saying is, with this great day of the Lord... The Holy Spirit is showing up on all people. Sons, daughters, men, women, young men, old men, slaves. All of them are receiving the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is falling upon all who profess their faith in Jesus. And Acts makes it clear as you read the book of Acts, not even the ethnic boundaries, not even the, the Jew-Gentile distinction can stop the Holy Spirit. You know, Paul and Peter both witnessed Gentiles coming to the Lord. And the question is like, well, do they need to become Jewish? And Paul's like, why should they? The Holy Spirit has fallen on them just like He's fallen on us. Peter sees it. He's like, why should they? They've received the Holy Spirit just like we have. The Holy Spirit does not discriminate. It does not matter how you dress. It does not matter what you look like. It does not matter what you've done in the past. The Holy Spirit does not discriminate for those who have come to faith in Jesus. That's the first thing to remember. The Spirit does not discriminate. The second thing um, that we realize here 
is that all of creation is being made new. All of creation is being made new. So if you read in Romans chapter 8, we won't, we won't visit it this morning, but you can, when you get home, maybe, maybe pick up Romans chapter 8 and take a look. Romans chapter 8 talks about all of creation groaning as if in the pains of childbirth, waiting for this day of the Lord to come. It actually says the creation is, is groaning for the revelation of the sons of God. Creation is groaning, waiting for God's people to be made right with God. And when that happens, when God's people are made right, when we are justified, when the kingdom is restored, that all of creation will be made new. All of creation will be restored. And that's what we see here when Peter's reading um, Joel's prophecy. When you look at verses, say, 19 and 20. Now, this is kind of terrifying language, right? But it, but it, it mimics, it makes sense. If, if we think of creation groaning as in the pains of childbirth, waiting to be restored, waiting to made, be made new, it, it's not always going to be pretty, right? It's not always going to have this like, beautiful language. It's going to have some hard language as well because God is restoring His creation. And so verses 19 and 20, Peter quoting Joel, um, I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The, sh- the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day of the Lord. All of creation is being made new. When Adam and Eve fell in the garden, when they sinned, yes, they were separated from God. Their relationship was strange, but so was all of creation. Adam and Eve were appointed as stewards over creation. They were were to rule in God's stead over the created order. And when they fell, they brought this world down with it. And as they are restored, as we are restored, the creation is coming back as well. All of creation is being made new. And we see this on this first Pentecost. Peter is saying, this is what is happening as the kingdom of God is being reformed all of creation is brought, being brought back to its fullness. So what does that mean for us then? What are some things we can take home to remember? Well, verse 21 sums it up, right? It shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everyone who calls upon the name of Jesus shall be saved. And so the first thing we want us to bring home, the Spirit is present in all believers. If you believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit is present in your life. Now you might have come to faith a long time ago, and you might be in a rough spot. And you might, not, you might think, well, I believe, but I don't feel the Holy Spirit in me. I'm telling you, He is there. And if you have a simple prayer every morning and saying, Lord, work in me, work your Spirit in me. And if you pray that every day and expect that, the Lord will work in your life. The Word will awaken your faith. It might take a long time. It might take a short time, but the Spirit is there and God is with you. The Holy Spirit is present in all believers. Um, 
The second thing, the Spirit is inviting us to call upon the name of the Lord. Maybe you don't know the presence of Jesus in your life. Maybe you've not called upon the name of the Lord. And the Holy Spirit is inviting you to do that even today. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Your sin will be washed away. Your guilt will be no more. You'll be present with Jesus and Jesus present in you. And the Holy Spirit working in your life. And the Spirit calls us to that. Even before we know the Lord, the Spirit is calling our name, calling us back. He's calling on all of us, inviting us to call on the name of the Lord. And then the Spirit equips us to go out, right? He equips us to go out. The disciples, when the Spirit fell on them, um, it's almost like they had no agency, right? I mean, they did, but, but you get the sense that the Spirit was pushing them out of that room onto the streets of Jerusalem. And then as you read Acts, you see the Spirit pushing them out of Jerusalem to the ends of the world. And then when you look at your church history, you see the Spirit pushing Christians to the edges of the earth to share the good news of Jesus. And we are all equipped to do that by the Holy Spirit working within us, pushing us out of the school cafeteria right into our neighborhoods. I mean, maybe pushing some of you back into this particular school cafeteria, right? And telling others about Jesus. But pushing us out to share the good news. And the Holy Spirit is present in us. He's inviting us to call upon the name of the Lord. And He's equipping us to go out sharing this good news with others. Let us pray. Lord, on this Pentecost Sunday, we thank you and praise your name for the presence of the Holy Spirit, for the calling together of your people, and for the hope of your coming once and for all kingdom. Lord, may we know the power of the Spirit in us through your Son, Jesus. Give us, Lord, courage to go out from here, to be spreading like fire the good news and the love that we have in your Son. We ask all this in his holy and precious name. Amen.